0: Five, six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engines running, commit liftoff.
1: Hey,
2: good afternoon and welcome to SWAT Radio. It is Thursday, March 23rd, and I'm excited that you are joining us today. On our broadcast, we uh, are so grateful to our listeners, uh, the friends up in uh, Virginia Beach and Chesapeake, Virginia, who listen on the Lighthouse over in Meridian, Mississippi, listening on WMER and uh, WMOX, and in Jacksonville on 91.7 The Truth, up in uh, Folkestone, Georgia, on 91.3, and uh, down in St. Augustine on 91.9, and through our app the SWAT radio app, as well as the SWAT radio.com website and, uh, terrific Thursday. We got, uh, a great guest today. Uh, a guy named Logan Nyquist that, uh, I hear his name mentioned a lot. Every time I go out to uh, Denton Bible, uh, every time I would go out and, uh, Tommy would be teaching. He would uh, say something and then say, right, Logan, right, Logan, or he would uh, highlight Logan. So I had a chance to meet Logan this past February and um, ask him if he would be our guest. He's got a neat story and he is the young adults pastor, I guess, still he is. I'll ask him that in a minute, but uh, you're in for a treat. So uh, Logan, welcome to SWAT radio. How are you?
1: Hi, Doug. I'm doing very well. Very happy to be here with you today. Well,
2: I am excited to have you on. Uh, you know, I I actually was – I called Tommy to try to get some scoop on you, but unfortunately he was at like some <laughs> staff thing, and uh, Teresa said that uh, he wasn't home, so you're lucky you skated on that one because I know he knows dirt on everybody, right? He does. He knows Oh, he,
1: he's got plenty of dirt. He's got a, the memory of an elephant, so he doesn't remember anyone's baggage. And he uses that to his advantage. So. Yeah, he does. I'm, well,
2: I well, well, I, you, you like uh, Doug, the other Doug, not me, but another Doug who's out there. He, he, he will call y'all's names quite frequently uh, when he is uh, up teaching and stuff. And I'm just glad I got to finally meet you. And it was at an interesting thing after the men's retreat was kind of over in the. Well, it wasn't really over. They did the events in the afternoon. Um, you had a arm wrestling, uh, thing going on and it was kind of cool because it's the first time I'd ever seen that at church and it was uh, something you started as an outreach. Um, tell us how that came about the whole arm wrestling thing as an outreach. That's kind of creative.
1: Yeah. So, you know, it really begins before I even started arm wrestling, but was just watching arm wrestling. I was in seminary, and I would ride the train uh, two hours into Dallas and two hours back to Denton to go to Dallas Seminary. And, you know, many days my brain was exhausted, and I needed to get something off my books, off Greek, off Hebrew. And through, you know, the YouTube algorithm, I came across arm wrestling and uh, was really just captivated by it uh, it wasn't what I thought it was, and I was just following arm wrestling online, watching it on YouTube, kind of developing. Uh, you know, I, I, fo- I was following a number of arm wrestlers internationally, and eventually when I finished seminary, I realized it was something that I could probably start doing and come to find out a mile and a half from my house, the number two arm wrestler in my weight class lived. And so I reached out to him, and that's kind of how it got started. He invited me over, and then uh, I had more space. I have a small gym in my house, and he came over, and he started reaching out to other arm wrestlers, and really I actually started having practices in my house. And next thing I know, I have you 20, 25 guys, sometimes more, uh, showing up, And these these are, you know, blue-collar guys, white-collar guys. We have um, high-level corporate uh, executives to uh, mechanics, and uh, we have Samoans. We have guys from all over the place coming. And I just saw an opportunity here that, you know, if with my, you know, keen intelligence saying, hey, there might be an opportunity here that uh, these guys might not know Jesus, (laughs) (laughs) that's kind of where it began.
2: Was the number and two arm wrestler guy a believer?
1: No. In fact, I don't know how your listeners will take this, but the first time I went over to his house, I talked with my wife. I said, honey, I don't really know this guy, um, but I just want you to know if we're going over there, he's gonna, uh, we're going to do some arm wrestling, and I just don't know what to expect. <laughs> And when I was over there, there I walked into the room, and there was, uh, you know, basically it looked like a college dormitory where they forgot to clean up their <laughs> uh, paraphernalia from last night's party.
3: Oh, my. And
1: I was very uncomfortable, and I just thought, how can I get this out of here and somewhere else? And that's really kind of where I felt the urgency. Uh, you know, I probably don't want to come back here, but I also <laughs> want to keep on wrestling. So. Well,
2: so did uh, you get more involvement from people at Denton Bobble?
1: Um, originally, no. So I shared with, you know, I, I, I don't want to, I never tried to, I want to be holistic with all my life, all my life for all of Christ. Yeah. And so I don't really want to have anything that, you know, where Jesus isn't the Lord over. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking to myself, how can I bring this under the Lordship of Christ? And so I was sharing it with some of uh, staff members on here, and I actually shared it, shared it with our uh, executive pastor, and he said, you know, we have... Didn't Bible actually start it out this way? <laughs> didn't Bible started out doing kind of very odd, niche ministry outreach, And this just kind of falls in line with, you know, the origins and and DNA of who we are. And if you want, uh, we have money set aside for uh, outreach for things like this. And if you want some cash to maybe purchase some equipment or do some, you know, buy food and get reimbursed, uh, we have that there. Mm -hmm. And so that's when really the light bulbs began to click. And I really began to focus in on this is an outreach and uh, and this is what I'm going to use it for, and and yeah, and then and from there, um, some didn't Bible folks began to come, but um, for the most part, these are all unbelievers. And and when, I, when I'm talking about diverse, it's very diverse. You have people from um, I've had Russians, I've had Pakistanis, I've had uh, Samoans. I've had uh um, many many ladies will come did, over and Didn't Augusta you
2: tell me you had actually. some Muslims too or did I miss not hear that right Did you have you had any Muslims there?
1: I haven't had any Muslims that I'm aware of yet. Okay. okay. Um, but, uh, just, but uh people from all different backgrounds like it's it's very very interesting the types of people that you would you would never imagine that you know this lawyer in downtown Dallas uh is you know hitting you up all the time to come arm wrestle. Um, <laughs> That's good.
2: Yeah. Well, are you still the young adults pastor there in uh at DBC or so,
1: Yeah, I'm wearing two hats right now. I am, you know, I came on uh D I came to this church, you know, because of Tom and his teaching. I started out as an intern and eventually started uh transitioned into uh, primarily serving in young adults to being the ministry coordinator and then now director of that. And, now, and so I'm the pastor over young adults, which is, you know, young professionals primarily in their single stage of life. But I've also recently taken on a new role as the associate pastor under Tom as well. And so we're in a place of transition with that, but yeah, I primarily function as the young adults pastor and then Um, I fill in for Tom. I preach about once every four to six weeks.
2: Yeah, well, in fact, you just preached this past Sunday. Uh, We're going to talk about that in a minute. Well, one of the things I've always loved about Denton Bible is how they have really discipled men, and then from those men, they get people that serve their church. And that's always been something that has stood out to me. Share a little bit of your story, like I know you were. You said you you were attracted to Tom. Uh, How did Logan Nyquist? um, How did God bring Logan into the family? Like what was the what was the pathway to bring Logan into God's family first, and then Denton Bible family?
1: Well, let's see. We're going to go back some years here, but um, when I I grew up going to church, but I didn't become a believer. Uh, later on until later until my early 20s but uh you know I was a a runaway kid actually so you know had a there was some tension in the house between me and my dad and on my 17th birthday uh, I left home and um you know within just a matter of days I was no exaggeration uh strung out on methamphetamines and um really that was the course of my life, that parting, uh, promiscuity, mm. um, and just recklessness mm. from probably 17 to 24. Mm. And when I was, let's see, I had gotten back into college. I originally was in college on a football scholarship, small school, um, but my life was just in shambles and was complete wreck. Got back in on a, on a, believe it or not, a cheerleading scholarship.
2: <laughs> wait a minute. So yeah. you wait. So, so step back. Yeah. So you were, you were a football player and d- did you get kicked off the team for the meth stuff?
1: No, no. So, you know, I wasn't, meth was more of a kind of a fine thing. It wasn't like, you know, my drug of choice. Yes. But really there was, I was doing very well in football. Um, you know, it was a small school, but I was doing very well. Uh, I just had no guidance. Um, didn't know, you know, come here from Sikkim, as we yeah. say in the South. Yeah. Uh, and really, it was just a decision I made. You know, I just one day decided to pack my bags and go, and I did. And three years later, I uh, I got back in on a different scholarship.
2: <laughs> that Okay, that, that's got to be pretty unique, right? For look, What positions did you play football on the football team?
1: I played outside linebacker. So, oh my gosh. So I, I guarantee you, there's
2: probably not another linebacker in the country that has also gotten a cheerleading scholarship, man. That's crazy. Well,
1: you'd actually be surprised. You'd be surprised. So, um, at the collegiate level, if they're doing co ed uh, cheerleading, oftentimes they'll do stunts yeah. where you actually have to have somebody that can, you know. So, all I did was I threw the flyers, as they're called, up in the air, you know, would hold them up. You know, they'd be standing in your hand, or you'd have one in each hand. And so often you needed somebody with some decent upper body strength. And so it's really not that uncommon for um, really linebackers and linemen to go into cheerleading. If they have, like. If you see a, a guy who's mm-hmm. uh, doing that and he's throwing flyers up in the air, <laughs> chances are he actually had a football background. <laughs> wow. Believe it or not.
2: Well, you know, my daughters were cheerleaders, and uh, so I know uh, I've seen them. You know, my daughters were flyers, too. So I I realize that it does take a lot of strength at the collegiate level um, to do that. And usually when you have guys, they're the ones that do the push-up. But it's just still pretty interesting that you were an outside linebacker and then a cheerleader. So after your cheerleading, were you still at that point partying and – pretty much doing all that stuff in college then?
1: Oh, yeah. By that point, I was a professional at it. Um, (laughs) And so uh, life was, you know, on the outside, it probably looked pretty good. On the inside, I was, you know, broken, uh, didn't have real purpose and fulfillment. And, you know, I started asking really the big questions. You know, why do I exist? What's the purpose of life? There's got to be more to this. And I had eventually transferred to the University of North Texas here in Benton. And I became a believer within my first year, just kind of at a really low point, wandered into a church. And, you know, I knew I grew up hearing the gospel. I grew up being around believers. And, you know, what was interesting is all the data and the facts that I had in my head about, you know, the gospel – Fell into my heart one day and I just remember tracking through, you know, the cross and um, the atonement and Jesus dying in my place and the, the you know, the substitutionary idea and grace and faith and salvation and depravity. And you didn't have to convince me of depravity. You didn't have to convince me I was a sinner. And, you know, being in this church one day, all the things that you know my, my parents had talked with me about as a kid and the things that I grew up in uh, in listening to in church uh I just I came to a point where God regenerated me and enlightened my mind to the truth of his word and I I was I remember coming to a place thinking it's true it's it's all true and uh and I you know trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ at 24 and basically Everything changed from that point on. I still struggled with some of my old stuff, but um, you know, things fell off of me immediately. Mm-hmm. And uh I was caught. I was caught by Jesus totally. Mm-hmm.
2: I, like, I I like that. You were you were caught by him. And and I tell people it's not so much that you become perfect uh after that point, but your loyalties change, don't they? All your your, your priorities right. change and all that. Now, was it Denton Bible or was it another church that, and then you came? You know,
1: to- <laughs> it, it was a different church. And even when I was there, they didn't even, I don't even recall hearing the gospel there. Really? Uh, I had known the gospel. Yeah. And I had known the gospel and I had gone in there and I was ministered to by some folks. And it was just like, you know, God saved me that day. Mm. Um, and my, yeah, you talk about, you know, your loyalties change. Yeah, I think of it like my allegiance. I, I was transferred, you know, from one kingdom to another, and my allegiance completely changed. And the reason why I use you know, I was caught by Jesus, I called my mom right after that. And my mom, uh, you know, she had been praying for me for years, and, and I, I was wild. I had, by this point, I had been thrown in jail, I think, six times for, wow. for fighting, and uh, I, I was just a, a wild young man and, uh, really a a rebel. And, you know, I was out to see things be burned Mm. and I couldn't put, you know, the purpose of it all together. And I, you know, and, and, uh, I called my mom after, you know, I I, I still, it was hard to put into words what happened. So I called my mom, I said, mom, something just happened. Uh, you know, I just had this kind of God, uh, moment and I don't really know how to explain it. And and then I was kind of confessing to my mom, mom, but you know how I live, you know who I am. And my mom said to me, Logan, you, you remember when Jesus uh, was walking along the sea of Galilee and called his uh, disciples to follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And I vaguely remember that, you know, that's kind of a, that's kind of a little bit into our culture anyway. And she said, Logan, I remember a preacher saying, uh, you have to catch the fish before you clean the fish. Mm. You don't just reel in fillets from the lake. Yeah. You catch the fish, and then you clean the fish. That's good. And Jesus catches you, and then he cleans you up. Mm. And, and Doug, that was such a relief to me because I had tried so hard. Mm. Um, and, and really, I was just, you didn't need to convince me that I couldn't clean myself up. And it was a total paradigm shift because I didn't need to clean up myself and then start following Jesus and then start going to church and then start being being discipled. No, all of those things kind of come first. Like I I my allegiance has changed, my heart changes, my mind is awakened to the truth of God and his personhood and his salvific benefits found in Christ. And now I just turn to him and he does the cleaning work. I yield myself to his word and to his power. But he's the one that, you know, he makes me righteous instantaneously, uh, declared righteous at the moment of salvation. But also, he makes me righteous sanctification. Mm. And that was glory to me. That was glory, especially with a dirty background, you know, uh, it, it was just, it was salvation.
2: Okay, I knew some of this stuff from Tommy, just talking to Tommy a little bit. I didn't know you were jailed six times. That's
1: crazy. Yeah. I mean, like, when and you look. the funny look, thing is, some you, of that's not even on record. Yeah. Some of that's not even on record because I, it was in, like, such backwood places that they didn't even run any paperwork on me. Um, <laughs> they just threw you in jail so for the night, right? They just threw me in jail and, you know, had their way with me and uh, never reported it.
2: Wow. Um, Well, you know, Logan, when you look back to that time, I want to go back a little bit. So you were raised in the church. I mean, you raised going to church knowing the gospel. Obviously, your mom was a believer, right? And um, you heard the gospel. During that time, you were 17 to 24. Can you look back now or think back now on that time and see maybe times God tried to get your attention or way God tried to get the word to you and you rejected it or were you just oblivious to it? Were there times where you openly rejected it then, or were you just too busy partying to notice
1: anything? Well, you know, I think one reason a lot of people do drugs apart from just getting completely addicted to it to where, you know, it really is your slave master. um, You have such a gaping hole in your heart As you know, Augustine said, Thou hast made us for thyself, O God. Mm. And our hearts are restless until they find its rest, until it finds its rest in thee. Mm. And so I was restless and I couldn't handle that restlessness. I couldn't sit alone in a room and be at peace. Mm. And so I would do drugs. Mm. Um, And so it was more of, I'm just going to keep altering my state of mind. And that was how I would cope with this tug on my heart. So I would say, God was pulling on my heart that entire time. I mean, I, I felt like I either needed to surrender my life to God or stay on drugs and die. That's kind of how I, how I viewed life. Um, and I don't look at, you know, particular instances, but when I track how I went from, you know, playing football, dropping out, uh, working as a framer, working in irrigation, Uh, working in welding, going to fire academy at A&M, getting, becoming a certified firefighter, doing nothing with it, and then getting back into college and then being involved in, um, you know, becoming a student recruiter where they sent me around the state recruiting and I got into radio and I got into, uh, all kinds of student government, all of these things. I look now and I see how, uh, I could have had everything the world offered, that was like a microcosm of great things that could have, you know, that uh, a microcosm of, uh, of things that I could pursue my whole life thinking that it might provide satisfaction. Mm-hmm. And I look back now and I realize none of the, the reason I went from thing to thing, to thing, to thing is because I was seeking satisfaction, like the Rolling Stone song,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know, I, I can't get no satisfaction. And that was it. And, I think about how God led me from there to Denton, Texas. Um, (laughs) And if I was to trace it out to you, you would, you would just, you would, you would worship because God, his hand was on me the whole time.
2: Well, when, when you, when, when you were doing all these things, when you were, you know, uh, jailed and going and doing this, were, were you not living in the Denton area at that time?
1: No, I was, I grew up in a, in a small town outside of Austin. Okay. And, uh, yeah, a little town called Burnett, Texas, B-U-R-N-E-T.
2: Yep. And, yeah. Well, um, you know, we used to, li- I used to live in Houston and so we used to go over to round rock and those areas. My kid, my sons would oh, go yeah. play football. So I, I'm a little familiar with that. I remember that name out there. So Austin is a very mm-hmm. conservative area in Texas, right?
1: No, Austin is the little no, I, I, I know. Oh, okay, that the, was a joke. Yeah,
2: I, I'm that? sorry. <laughs> you, you couldn't see my face. I mean, like when Tommy makes jokes a lot of times, he talks about Egypt and Austin, you know, or he'll talk about, uh, you know, uh, Babylon and Austin, the Babylon of Texas, I guess, you know. So anyway, uh, I was making a joke. Sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's true. And... um and then I moved. I moved into Austin at one point in time. And then I moved. I lived in uh, in West Texas for two years, and then I lived uh, in College Station for a year. And then that's when I. Um, that that's not technically the order of things, but those are the places that I lived. And then I eventually. Um, at 21 moved to Denton, Texas. Okay. No, I'm sorry. 24,
2: 24. So it was after you became a believer that you moved to Denton, right? Uh,
1: I moved to Denton, sorry, at 23 and I was an unbeliever. Okay. So you moved to Denton. That's where you got saved.
2: Okay. Yeah. I'm just trying to get a timeline. Well, one other question about that part of your life before we move into the Denton Bible church era, uh, when you were in jail, You know, I've done a lot of ministry in jail over the years, and a lot of the guys in jail would talk to me about things that their parents told them or they should have listened. They would say things like that, but they also, a lot of them, did not feel like God's grace would cover them. It was almost like what your mom said, you know. Uh, you got to catch the fish before you clean them. They they felt like they needed to be clean first. Were you feeling that during those times you were in jail? Can you think back to that? If you have any memory of those jail times, were you wondering, man, why didn't I listen to mom, or why? Were you thinking that at all, or were you thinking just just this stinks <laughs> being in
1: jail? You know, yeah. When I was, you know, I mostly did overnighters. One time I I did one little stint, but nothing serious. Um, You know, because for me it was like you know. I got thrown in jail for getting in a fight, but um, no, it was mostly like, I can't wait to get out of here. Uh, I, I wasn't very reflective. I would consider myself fairly reflective now, but then I would never stop to think, Mm -hmm. you know, I never just took the time to think. And, um, but I would say, I I never was an atheist. I was theistic. I believed in God. And I would even said, I would have, I would have, you know, recognized many truths uh, of, of Scripture, but it was not something that I deposited my faith in, uh, uh, you know, salvifically. But um, I never really understood grace, mm-hmm. and and I don't think my parents really understood grace coming from their tradition, mm-hmm. and. You know, it really wasn't until the pastor, before I met Tommy, that I learned God's grace. Mm-hmm. And that really, you know, learning God's grace really just changed, you know, my whole outlook. Even, again, it was like something else happened. Wow, this this is the kindness and the goodness of God.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you you came after, as you became a believer— uh, how did you get connected to Denton, then Denton Bible?
1: So Denton Bible, I was um, I was working at the University of North Texas as a as a personal trainer, going through my undergraduate um, program. I'm a believer now, um, really, uh, you know, pursuing the Lord uh, the best I knew how, and I was ended up dating a girl the first it was you know dating a girl and it was the first like christian woman i had ever dated and um which showed me that i was still kind of dating like a pagan you know (laughs) um she 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 was just so much more just in love with the lord and um disciplined in her quiet time all these little things that i was just like wow you're really serious about your faith. I thought I was, but I didn't even, I've never even, and what what was going on was she was being discipled. She was plugged into a church where they're expositing the Bible. They're not just doing, you know, topical sermons every week, but moving, you know, line by line to where you're getting the whole counsel of God and you're listening to somebody explain to you the scriptures in a way that you can immediately go home and reread or reteach. And, Come to find out, this girl went to the Bible Church. Wow. Now, now she, is broke this, she broke up with me 12 months
2: later. <laughs> yeah, that, well, listen, I want our listeners to stay tuned, because after we've got to go to the news on the half hour. When we come back, Logan is going to tell us uh, what happened and the rest of the story, is Paul Harvey used to say. Uh, Logan, thanks for being with us today. Uh, hey, if you're just tuning in, we have Logan Nyquist, the associate. The Hyundai Recall includes the Santa Fe from 2019 through 2023, the Santa Fe Hybrid from 2021 to 2023, and the Santa Cruz model years 2022 and 2023. The only Kia affected is the Carnival minivan from 2022 and 2023. Neither automaker has reports of injuries. I'm Rita Foley.
0: And on Wall Street, stocks are now mixed. The Dow is down 50 points. The Nasdaq up forty three. This is SRN News. Hey, you ever think when you pray, you got to know the difference between asking and thanking. You want a job, ask him. Maybe, maybe he'll give you one. You want to date that girl you've had your eye on, ask God. He's into setting things like that up sometimes. You're a parent. You wish your teenager would drop the cell phone for a change? Ask God. That might be something he'll do for you. You want God to love you? To forgive you? Keep you? Don't ask. Just thank him. You see, that's what God does. You don't have to ask God to be God. I'm Steve Brown. You think about that. Share what you just heard with a friend. Go to youthinkaboutthat.com. No active
2: accidents, but there's a broken down vehicle on the West Beltway, 295 southbound at the Buckman Bridge. Also, there's a disabled vehicle on the East Beltway, 295 southbound before Bay Meadows Road. And there's a broken down vehicle on Butler Boulevard westbound at the ramped I-95 northbound. Mostly clear tonight, low 58, Friday sunny, high 89. From the Traffic and Weather Center, I'm AJ.
3: There is good news for the captive,
2: good news for the shame, there is good news Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. It's Doug McCary of His Light Ministries, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. Listen, if you want to listen to this program or any past program, you can go to www.swatradio.com. That's S-W-A-T-R-A-D-I-O.com. You can communicate with us also on social media at Facebook at SWAT Radio Talk, Twitter at SWAT Radio Talk. And on Thursdays, We uh, have guest day. Today our guest is Logan Nyquist, who is the associate pastor and also the young adults director at Denton Bible, a great church in Denton, Texas. If you ever pass through Denton, Texas, or you're in the Dallas area, you want to go to Denton Bible. It is a great church. I go out every year to the men's conference. They have anywhere from 1,000 to 1,500 men come to that conference, and uh, uh, I know Logan Gordon-Nickel does a great job with that conference, and Tommy and Calvin, they're the ones speaking at it, and it's just always an encouragement for me to see all those men there, and you were one of those men that kind of, when you came to faith, started being ministered to by those ministries there, Young Guns and all those different ministries. Talk a little bit about, well, sorry, All the ladies out there that might be listening, even though we're primarily to men, there's a lot of ladies that listen and are going, Well, wait a minute. He was dating a girl. That's why he went to Denton Bible. So we got to go back to that. You said she broke up with you, right? But you stayed at
1: Denton. So so what happened was I, I was in Denton. I wasn't going to Denton Bible. So we were going to separate churches. Uh huh. And, but I was, we had just started dating. And it was the first time I had ever, you know, really pursued a woman. In a, in a way that I was courting her with the desire to see if God would bless this with the outcome of marriage or not, and um, I think I was on still a little bit different page than she was. She was probably more on that page than yeah. I was at the time, and so she broke up with me. And I realized that if I want to marry that kind of woman, I got to be kind of—I got to become the kind of man that that kind of woman would want to marry. Uh. I simply wasn't. And so, um, but, but I did go to Ditton Bible for the first, you know, a couple of times. And I remember seeing, you know, this big guy up there, you know, uh, kind of, uh, you know, gray headed, but, you know, just muscular and big. And as a guy, you know, he just, he resonated with me. Uh-huh. Um, but I was, I had commitments at my other church. And so I never, at that point in time, I had not really transitioned to Denton Bible. Well, what ended up happening is that really, that breakup changed, you know, my, my pursuit now was to just pursue the Lord. And if God brings me a lovely woman, I'm going to do everything I can to do it correctly. And, and he did that while I was at the university of North Texas. And now this girl went to Denton Bible as well. And her parents went to Denton Bible. Mm -hmm. And, um, I eventually ended up going on staff at that church I was at part-time, not because I was pursuing ministry, but I just needed money. <laughs> and some big job opportunities, because I wasn't pursuing ministry, um, but I was serving. And so I was just trying to be faithful in my church and just serve, and I love to serve. Honestly, I was just happy for the first time in my life I was doing good and not evil. And um, some big job Job, uh, jobs fell through for me, and I didn't really, I was kind of floundering, and my in-laws said, Logan, so it's 2015, and my in-laws tell me, Logan, why don't you just take this year off? You just finished graduate school, um, and, um, you know, we had some pretty big upsets. Why don't you go and spend this year studying in Young Guns under Tommy Nelson? And I remember thinking, oh, yeah, I've heard of Young Guns. Why not? And I applied, and and really, that's how I, I, I really went in deep with Bitten Bible was through Young Guns.
2: And tell people, tell people who are listening. Okay, so tell people who are listening, like what Young Guns is. Explain it to them from your perspective, because you're you're fairly fresh, only seven years ago, six years, you know, seven or eight years ago. So explain to them as a young guy out there. When you heard Young Guns, you kind of knew what it was, and it was training, but now you went through it. Tell them what it was like going through it. What is it? Explain it to somebody who doesn't know what it is.
1: So so Young Guns originally was uh, designed to not only recruit new ministry leaders, but also to uh, from within our own church to disciple people at kind of a higher level. Um, and we would meet four days a week for – a little under two hours every morning, and we would cover everything from um, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And so Tom would really cover all the exposition, mm-hmm. but this is you're, you're with, you know, maybe 10 other guys. You're sitting under this legendary expositor of scripture, and your mind is just being blown because he's able to go and do things in that setting that he can't do really on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. And so we're going through the Torah. And then we're going through Matthew, we go through Romans, and then we go through Revelation. And then at the same time, we're also doing church history. How is it that, you know, as the church in America, how did we get here? Mm-hmm. Um, what are the pitfalls of the past so we can avoid them for the future? Who were, who were the, the men that took a stand when they should have? And at the time, it was called into question, but now we know they're right, and, and it was because they stuck to God's Word. Mm-hmm. We study systematic theology from, you know, Christology, pneumatology, soteriology, um, the theology proper, all of these great things that, as a young guy coming in there, I had very, very little exposure to. And we also uh, we study a little bit of hermeneutics, for um, how to interpret and as well as exposit uh, the word. And we also do apologetics. At a high level, these are all seminary grants, and most of the people going through here, um, going through Young Guns, has never done that before. Mm. And you, you walk away with, you know, a curriculum, really, that they just give you. And uh, for me, it, it changed the trajectory of my life. That, that's probably one of the biggest kind of pivotal, pivotal turning points in my life.
3: Well,
2: I think just listening to you talk about a higher level discipleship, it—the thing that I've always loved about what Tommy does with the Young Gun thing—is I really think that's more a picture of true discipleship. <laughs> to be honest with you, that's what Jesus did with his disciples, and that's what Paul did, and you know, Tommy took you guys and took you through that. He's done lots of guys, hundreds of guys, over the years. And you're one of them, and how cool is it that you're there, still at Denton? You know, you're there and part of the, part of the plan. I mean, I that had to be a a pretty great moment for you personally to be preaching. You know, I know you've preached before. I I, I you know listened to you Sunday. You were there, but I that had to be a pretty cool moment for you that first time that you had an opportunity to exposit God's word. Thinking where God had brought you from, right? And
1: now you're there under. Oh my the- gosh. Doug, <laughs> it, it's amazing because, you know, I, I was going to that other church and then going to the evening service here. And, um, you know, Tom's the one that really helped me get into the Pursue Dallas Seminary and then to eventually get hired on here as an intern. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually just seeing how God blessed it. I remember the first time I taught. Now, I, actually, tomorrow morning, I'm, I'm filling in and teaching young guys. I would have never imagined. <laughs> Isn't it, that it, cool? That's I great. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. The first time I preached in the pulpit, I just, I can't believe they let me up here. You know, um, <laughs> Was Tommy there? I, it, Tommy was, he did see it. He wasn't there. Okay. I just wondered if uh,
2: you were a little nervous up there getting
1: up in front of your. Oh, mickey. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Shaking in my boots. Yeah. But uh, I, I can't believe it. You know, God has been so good and, you know, just really, you know, some people say if you were to walk through a field and, and see a turtle on top of a, a fence post, you know, it didn't get there by itself. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody put it up there. Yeah. yeah. That's been my story. And um, of all people, I, I don't deserve to be there mm-hmm. uh, just to, mistakes i've made the problems i've caused and to see how god has redeemed just so much out of the pain and the suffering mostly self-inflicted mm-hmm. and put me in a place where i can be a servant of god yeah. um, that's awesome you know, I, I, <laughs> that's, I can't even it's just it's really hard to even express it
2: that's well no that's that's awesome and you preached um a tough passage to preach this past Sunday. I think it's tough because it's anytime you preach on humility uh, or, or where you're really highlighting the humility of Christ and you're trying to represent that. I mean, if you feel like I do, you got to preach to yourself first. I understand that. And we, we both know that, but still when you are holding up that such high standard to me of the humility of Christ, that's hard to preach on, isn't it, Logan? I mean, really. I mean, it's it's easy in the sense that, you're, it's easy to brag on him, but it's hard in the sense that that's what we're called to, and as preachers, we have to call people to that, and that means we have to live that, right? I mean, isn't that tough?
1: Yeah, there's there's a tension there, knowing that, you know, on the one hand, God, we're God guides, He provides, mm-hmm. and on the other hand, knowing that, um. You know, though Christ is being formed in me through the Holy Spirit, you know, conforming me to His image, I I will never every every iota of my ability to do anything godly is a gift of His grace. And God's standard for us is His Son. Mm-hmm. And knowing that I'm always, I'm I'm never there. It's that and alone. If I can hold on to that. That is where I find um, a ground, a, a humble place to stand, is yeah. recognizing that every good thing, every good thought, uh, every success, every conviction, every true and authentic uh, uh, form of repentance that I express is all coming from His grace in my life. Mm-hmm. And that—that that is... The old that's the best I can do, Mm -hmm. and so there's always this tension going on like, okay, my you know, you got to be righteous and and perfect to be in heaven. Um, you know, there's even this tension with how can God not compromise his own standard of holiness and bring us there. And so, at the end of the day, all, all of it's found in Jesus, and so that that is humbling. And it's so it's a it's almost like you know I can only bring myself before the Lord and say God I, I don't measure up. <laughs> yeah. And
2: yeah, you're right. I yeah, mean, that's
1: it. And that's
2: yeah, it. I, I, all we can do is just be honest about it. Well, I, I just that particular passage. I think the thing that makes it a struggle for me is that we're talking about Philippians, you know two, five through 11, the, you know, the passage on the humility of Christ is that Jesus did, you know, it's easy to, to serve. I, oh, I shouldn't say it's easy, but it is, it's easier to serve and try to, you know, put on a air of servanthood because you know, it's the right thing to do. And as, as believers, and especially as God's uh, leaders, as pastors and stuff, we should do that. But Jesus didn't just pretend to be a servant. He wasn't just fulfilling a role of a servant. He was a servant. And that's what that whole passage is about. When you look at what he did and the fact that he came here, how we could not submit to his lordship, uh, Logan, I— I look back now and, and think how could I ever struggle with the whole Lordship? I know people and you probably know this too, because I know you, you know, the teaching out there and all the young guns and all this, but there's a growing element now in our country that says to teach the Lordship of Christ is, is heresy. It's, It's you're adding works to salvation. I don't know how you couldn't honor him as Lord in light of who he is, what he's done. Um, could you speak to that? Do you see that at all in in a lot? Of, I, I you know in what you're dealing with out there.
1: Well, Doug, you're really opening a big can of worms here. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I know um,
2: that's what that's what this is for. Oh, uh, just to to do that. That's why you're the pastor, and you get yeah, paid the so big there bucks.
1: Was, there was a, a major debate, um, and you know, with some with a, a very prominent, good uh, pastor that I admire tremendously with a a seminary that's not too far from me about the lordship uh debate and as you said you know it we all recognize that salvation is by grace alone through faith alone in christ alone and you know the issue was you know can you be saved without making jesus lord of your life and for me it seems that they're one and the same you know if you're if jesus is not lord and but you're still claiming Him, then you've got the wrong Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you don't get Jesus without Lordship. In fact, you know, that is the Old Testament divine name, uh, Yahweh. Uh, so you don't really, if you're trusting in Jesus for anything, it is as Lord and Savior. Yeah. And in fact, when you read through the book of Proverbs and you look at those uh, through the Psalter, and you read about the fear of the Lord, you know, we've watered down that term fear mm-hmm. to simply mean reverence. And in part, it does mean that. I don't, I'm don't. i not saying that it doesn't. But the root word of that word fear, ra'ah, is terror. Mm-hmm. And there are times where it refers to God as such. It is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. Mm-hmm. Um, and to fear the Lord is to recognize His ownership over you, Mm -hmm. and to recognize that I don't belong to myself, I belong to God. Mm -hmm. Um, He bought me by, at a very high cost, the precious blood, as Peter says, over and over again. And so I am His. Mm -hmm. And so when I enter into that new covenant with God by means of the one mediator, the God-man Jesus Christ, I am not my own anymore. He is Lord of my life. Mm-hmm. And so to try to parse that out, really you either get Jesus who isn't Lord, or you just get Jesus and Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think every Christian uh, should find comfort in knowing that you are owned by Christ. Uh, he's going to do far better for you than you could ever do, even with your best intent for yourself, mm-hmm. bottom line. His intentions for you are far greater than your intentions for yourself. He cares for you more than you care for yourself. And you know what? Okay, I'm yours, God. I belong to you. I do not belong to myself. Glory.
2: Well, we're we're either enslaved to sin or we're enslaved to him. You know, and I love the the fact that John MacArthur brought that out, you know, in his book Slave. He wrote wrote about that, how that word— has become so negative that we translators even tried to alter the, the translation a little bit of the word um, slave to bond servant to make it more palatable. But you're right. He owns us. And, you know, Logan, what I've found is that that, you know, when you start talking about lordship, I just go to the question, can you reject Christ as Lord and still be saved? Because there's, and and if people say, yes, you can, then show me in the Bible where, where does anybody reject him as Lord? You know, I, I agree that you may not understand all the aspects of his Lordship, you know, but again, I go back to something you said earlier, uh, and we were talking about it earlier. It's the direction of your life. It's the loyalty of your life. You said it, you made the statement very early in the broadcast, all my life for all of Christ, I think is what you said. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and, and that's it. Like you, you, you don't get, you know, when he purchases you, you're totally his. And, and that, that passage in Philippians you preached on was, was to me that the, the most important thing out of that whole text is that he came to earth to serve us, and I, I go from Philippians 2 5 back to John 13, where he says, I did this, now you go do it. You know, I mean, that's it's mm-hmm. basically it, Paul's just trying to say we are to be humble people. Well, there's nothing humble about rejecting his lordship, is there? <laughs> I mean, is there anything humble Absolutely
1: about not. that? <laughs> so, yeah, that's it. really probably the opposite, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think so. It's an act of pride. It, it, it is. It, to say that, and, you know, I, I was sharing with uh, the guy, I, I have a guy, Brad Sykes, who's on here with me uh, Monday through Wednesday, and I was sharing with him yesterday um, something, you know who Paul Tripp is, right? Um, Paul, mm-hmm. Paul Tripp was talking about, he does a daily devotional, and he was talking about, you know, when our kids at the end of a long day, how, do you got any kids, by the way? I I ask you, you got it. I do.
1: I've got a, a three-year-old girl. I've got a one-year-old boy, one-and-a-half-year-old boy, and we are expecting number three in October.
2: Well, congratulations, man. That's, that's good. So you, okay. you very well uh, understand that even at a young age, right, your kids, your kids want to walk around like little self-ruling people. Right, your three-year-old. Like I, I, even if you do the best job you can do as being a parent, it's hard for them to not want to tell you no or not to reject. And I mean, you know, they at some point they want to rule their life, and it comes out very easily. Whether it's over toys, whether it's over food, or whether they just want to do something they want to do. But he says at the end of a day, that's really hard with your kids, and you look at them. Just remember that you're more like them than you are God. <laughs> <Think> of,
1: <laughs> uh, hey, that's too convicting, Doug. You need to just stop right there.
2: <laughs> but isn't that true? I mean, you know, it's so easy for us, and we can take that example to even people like like when you were struggling when you were 17 to 24. It's easy to look down on people like that and wonder why they can't get their act together. But in reality we're more like them than we are God. Even though God's in us, even though he's regenerated us, we still battle the flesh until we're, you know, on the other side. And that's hard. We're in need. And I think that's that's the thing that, to me, when, when I, I look at Christ coming to earth, he loved us so much that he was willing to give up that authority up there because people spit on him here. He knew that was going to happen. He was willing to give that up and become obedient, even to death on the cross. And, uh, he knew when he came, he was going to do that. He tried to tell the disciples. So, uh, I don't know how you picked that passage for yesterday. I don't know if it was, cause I know Tommy's been teaching through Isaiah. Did you just, there was that through prayer and you just kind well, of felt led to go there or was it assigned to you? by Tommy? Well,
1: I, I was, I was praying, you know, Thomas. We're going through Proverbs, and we've taken a a small break to go through the suffering servant uh, passages in Isaiah, those prophetic passages speaking of Christ 700 years before uh, the Incarnation. And I was just thinking in praying, Lord, this is what would complement this. And Philippians 2, you know, landed on my heart. I ran it by Tom. And he goes, oh, that'd be a great passage. And then, as I'm preparing for it, I'm realizing that Paul—I, I, you know—I just didn't realize it at the time, but Paul has this in the back of his mind. Mm-hmm. He's actually quoting some of these passages out of Isaiah, mm-hmm. and um, and the the parallels between our call to humility and then the way Paul lays out the humility of Christ um, as our example, and and the exhortation he's giving the church in Philippi. Uh, using Christ as the example, continually go back and forth. He's using these literary devices, linking everything uh, weird to do uh, to what Christ already did. And um, it's just, it really is a fascinating text, and it's a challenging text, because, you know, more heresies have have come out of that passage than most, Uh um, and more ink has been spilled on that particular text in almost any of the New Testament. So... Um, I, I took it on as a, uh, really just, you know, I, I do things. I, I, I know that if this will feed me, if God's word is going to feed me here, it's going to feed his people there. Yeah. And so I just kind of trust the Lord with that.
2: Well, we, well, I'm glad, I'm glad you did. And, uh, I'm, I'm glad you joined us today. We're, we're, we're at the end of our time. We got about one minute for the guy who's out there who's 17 to 24, Or, or maybe he's got a son who's 17 to 24. Maybe the mom who's got a 17 to 24. That's really, who's probably going to be listening. What would you say to them about praying for their child?
1: I would say to the mom and to the parent, hang in there. Um, The effort and energy and the things you did right. You won't see the fruit of that often until way later. And so hang in there, press on and be, be a, a woman, a man or woman of prayer. And for the young man, I would say, uh, do not despise the day of small beginnings. Attach yourself to a local church. Mm. Not just attend a local church. Not just a church. Attach yourself there. If you move to go to college, attach yourself there. And then listen to the people who are older and wiser than you. Listen to them and do what they tell you to do. <laughs> Wow. You know, that's you're right. not going to make the mistake I made if you would
2: just simply do that. And that's hard for a young man. That's I know. Well, well, hey, Logan, thank you for joining us today. Uh, if you're listening out there today, pray for Logan Nyquist uh, and his family as he's serving on the front lines there. I know we put targets on our uh, those around us. that.